This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. I want to thank everyone for joining us again this week. We've got a little bit of bookkeeping kind of stuff to cover. We're basically going to discuss what's coming in the pipeline in terms of supply issues specifically as it relates to commander legends Mm -hmm. obviously that's going to be the big holiday release for wizards of the coast and what we can expect during the ongoing pandemic production cycle so we'll get started without further ado uh so zendikar was the first set officially hit by the covid slowdown there was really Mm -hmm. nothing that could be done about that card effectively had a pullback staff in this production so that dropped the initial waves worth of stock we are seeing something similar with commander legends where we are seeing a reduced first wave which impacts immediately card availability now this isn't something like jumpstart there were other issues with jumpstart that made that set even more scarce than it should have been yeah and that's created a bit of a uh blockage on price we're not seeing a lot of relief after the second wave came in and basically blew out immediately but this this can and will have a similar effect on first wave pricing so what you got so uh speaking with rep at one of the distributors basically what they were told by watsi is first off obviously there's a release delay uh for commander legends During this window, who knows what's happening with Return to Return to Zendikar, which is obviously the set that we're pushing now. And was told there will be a second wave. It's going to be less than it was pre-COVID. And the insinuation, basically what they were told was this production level will continue. Now, don't know if that's insinuating while COVID is affecting production or if that's just that this is the new norm going forward. And speaking with the two distros that I deal with, both of them basically said, we're fine with less product. We're fine holding less of this because at release weekend, inevitably, some of the smaller stores can't pick their product up. Mm-hmm. Especially now, they can't pick their product up because Watsi isn't exactly doing much to help them out necessarily. Yep. But... I think that it's worth noting that this is something that could extend beyond just this. We could see for the next indefinite futurity. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I guess this is how it's going to be. Yeah, You're just going to have this reduced stock. You don't know when the at-will printing is necessarily going to kick in, and you'll see values start to equilibrate equalized to that you don't know and especially with the case being that distros are kind of fine with this it then falls on the lgs to get a hold of wizards of the coast and say hey we need more product to our distros Mm -hmm. we need better supply there and you know you can check amazon right now guess who's fulfilling commander legends orders on amazon wizards of the coast direct so, yep. 
I think this is, this is interesting because as a vendor, it doesn't really phase you that much for set release and uh, there out. You're still going to be cracking boxes. You're going to be getting quantity. The LGS, it definitely makes it a little more difficult for if most LGSs are able to pick up their orders. They're still on the scrum now, and if your order numbers are forcefully dropped, there's nothing you can do about that because there's less stock overall. So at the LGS level, this definitely presents an interesting paradigm. From the distro, distro standpoint, however, it seems like this finally solves a problem they've been looking for for a while. The only release Valve Distro has had for excess profs, uh, product is to just put it on sale. Yep. And effectively fire sale it to anybody who has a Distro account. And we don't mention you know Rudy at Alpha Investments all that often, but that's how he gets a lot of his product especially on the tail end of the life cycle, is he waits until it sits on sale, and then he just buys the rest of it out. He will just empty out a distro for a specific set. Because that's the only release valve they have for all this excess stock. Distros don't sell direct to players. It's not how it works. So you got to kick it out the door somehow. You got to make that money. You just can't not. You can't, you have to churn that product. Your warehouse space is finite. And part of that, too, when you're dealing with that is when distros would sale it, they basically can only mark it down, like, say, wholesale panel boxes, $79, which it is. When you go to a distro and you go in their warehouse, they have a damaged section. Box that were damaged in transit while they were unpacking, pulling them off a truck, whatever. Mm -hmm. And when you take those and you're like, hey, here's a box of magic, how much is it? $69. That's it. That's as low as it can go. Half the box can be crushed in. That's the absolute lowest. Mm -hmm. And do you know why? Because wizards will pay them $68 to destroy the box. So if they don't have that product that they're sitting on anyways, yeah. then why would they do that? That frees up other space for other games? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Uh, but it also means... For those of you that occasionally do try to go to the distro, you can't get four pallets of Origins fat packs two years ago for whatever price each yeah. when you buy them all. Yep. And that's that's kind of damning, I think, for larger vendors like SCG if they were to go back. The problem is those vendors aren't really having their supply hit. No. As you mentioned, this is hitting the LGS. Mm -hmm. It also puts the players in an interesting spot, too. You're going to be able, for the most part, your, your LGS is going to be able to get what they need to run their events. And sometimes they're going to be a little strapped, but that's just going to happen up front anyway, depending on some of the details around the sets, the releases, anything in regards to timing, and the number of people that show up to these events and what they're paying out in regards to prizes. But what it does is it makes you kind of reconsider Sealed as a finance driver and finance vehicle now if we're going to go back to a new norm where the first and second waves are going to be diminished in size overall does it make sense to actually start buying into sealed and create a five-year plan where you're just churning through cases every five years to grind profit instead of singles with the sheer number of variants foil and not for what we're seeing in terms of singles from standard and some of these other supplemental sets does it just make more sense to sit on 
the dep uh, the product that has the lesser population overall now, and that's going to be the sealed. It will be harder to find in time. As we know, it will sell out eventually, and it does rise. Even Fallen Empires, if you haven't been keeping up, Fallen Empires is finally rising. It's been <laughs> happening over the last two weeks. Sealed for Fallen Empires was flat forever. The set's not great. It's not the worst. It doesn't have a lot of great cards for anything that's going on right now in regards to set releases. It's just an old set that's been out of print forever. We know the print run on this. We covered it in a reserve list stuff. The numbers are out there. And there's just finally this kind of collector demand around it. And that's going to happen for all sets. I'm sure Dragon's Maze is finally starting to recover. It might have taken yeah. a while. Fate Reforged similarly, discounting Ugin. It's probably recovering. Sealed is an actual finance, a, a finance vehicle. You just have to have the capital and the space. But And I, I think it's also worth noting that, especially now with these shortages, and supply-wise, I will say the other thing that I was told was that the collector's packs will still have no issues. Yeah. So those actually, I think for this set in particular, seem to be more worth it as a financial driver because they finally make the premium worth it because it's, what, like four rares one mythic a pack yeah. or something i might actually be worth it from a sealed perspective now to go the whale route whereas like you were saying if you have the space just buy a case sit on it okay. for a couple of years yeah eventually it's worth some amount of money great cool yeah the supplementals are i don't think there's been a, a, a supplemental set that's a loss I think every single supplemental set is a win. And Conspiracy might have struggled to start, but it's definitely coming up. A lot of the regular rares that were reprints or just low-power cards in general are finally starting to creep back up. Some of them I mean, exploding. Even, yeah. Uh, Iconic Masters okay. took yeah. forever to recover. But when it recovered, boy, did it recover quickly. Mm -hmm. And... You know, when you take a look at a set like Conspiracy and Iconic, those are sets that people thought, well, this is a dud. And even MM2, the foils just still unfortunately oh, yeah. don't had, have um, much of a multiplier. It had the eco but... uh, MM2 is also kind of dicey because of the eco packaging. Uh, Japan had been doing the cardboard pack for a while and kind of solved those issues, but Watsi North America can fucking figure it out. So there's a really good chance that your cards just came LP at best. Yeah. So MM2 could just your box could be great, but it could still be a dud because of the packaging. Unfortunately. Yeah. But so, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say so, like just trend-wise, buying into a master set makes sense. Uh, I, the CE route definitely makes a little more sense now. I think after that, it's uh, draft packs. You get an extra rare compared to whatever the other one is, set boosters. So that's kind of like your hierarchical, how are you going to get the most EV? And it's going to be obviously yeah. with CE first because you just get the most of the best and then you get everything else. Although I have not seen um, the pack style breakdowns where we know how many of the etched cards we get, if we get those, what slot they're in. I know that the information's out there. Nothing's just kind of swung by that's convenient to display. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think it is also worth noting that if the collector's boosters don't have a supply issue that may actually lead to the deflation of rare and mythic prices in the short term mm -hmm. because if there's no issue accessing those packs and cracking those for singles 
larger vendors will do that and try, you know, just replace immediately and sell what boxes they can. Mm -hmm. So that is also something to be mindful of when dealing with Commander Legends. Absolutely. And the the thing this plays into as well is supplemental sets do continue to get print waves just like standard sets. And if this is going to be the new norm, what do the third and the fourth print waves start to look like as we move out now? So if we're starting to see, okay, you know, uh, we're probably not, not going to get a really decent restock of Okoria. Like, there, I don't think there's a whole lot of demand for that set anymore to begin with. Mm-hmm. Then... Uh, core 20 similarly i don't know if we're going to get another wave of if we're going to get a third or probably a third maybe not a fourth wave of that zendikar which was uh, hit by covid into the the rest of the sets for 2021 are we going to see diminished third and fourth wave releases for these sets and if they are, that also kind of leads into lead leans, not leads leans into the fact that sealed is really your primary finance driver for the long term compared to singles. If you want to flip and you can have access to the to the set within the first week or two, then by all means, that's going to be your most and best way to just grind as much as quickly as possible. After that, it is going to be, uh, I think, a long term hold for sealed. We might see, and, you know, quotes around the word might, because we will see EDH cards obviously pop. But now you have to deal with that variant issue. You know, which one is the one? Do you have, is it always the pimp? You know, is it the alternate? Yeah. And and you have those kinds of questions to, to deal with. I, I think that's one of the more nuanced and more art than science topics that we've seen develop over the Mm -hmm. last how long have they been doing this year i guess of set releases uh where we have five different variants of every single card starting back with promo packs Mm -hmm. and it's it'll be interesting i think to see how it pans out with commander legends especially yeah because it's kind of a unique animal in both the finance space and the EDH space, mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting to see, I think. Yeah, I, I think there's also going to be a little bit of a fervor for these packs because that's a completely different setup than it has been previously. It's 20 cards per pack, 24 packs per box, 6 box per case, 6 boxes per case. Yeah. So it's a unique number of cards per per pack now than, than what we've seen in previous supplementals so it adds this uh, this like new wrinkle to the the draft and the uh the normal boxes not just this not just the ce the ce is the ce for a reason it's not meant to be you know played in store you know that that's yeah. your collector thing right so the, these other two boxes have this kind of mystique around them in regards to how many cards you're going to get and how many of, of each type and that might play into the reason why I haven't seen a decent breakdown kind of float by. The, sure. The other thing that we were looking at this set for a little bit, and but more towards Time Spiral 2, was exactly how the variants were going to be handled to predict modern uh, Horizons 2. Yeah. And look to see, okay, if we are going to get CE 
along the way then we have to figure out what we want to do with our fetch lands and a lot of our mod our high-end modern staples heading into modern horizons too so if we're looking at ce and depressed uh stock through these waves now we have more data to plug into our what goes on with modern horizons 2 equation and this is going to come up again when we reach future site because we'll have more pieces of the puzzle and we'll probably be able to accurately say okay this is what we can expect from modern horizons 2 in regards to variants this is what we're going to see accurately predict for release waves and yep. thus kind of make better predictions about what we need to do in order to stay ahead of uh, the finance game, you know, make our buys or our sales where we have to. Yeah, I definitely think it's that's going to be kind of a financial flashpoint next year, I think, mm -hmm. because Modern Horizons 1 did pretty well for itself. Obviously, yeah. outside of the atrocious set design that destroyed multiple eternal formats, thanks Watsi and continues to do so, ban Astrolabe. Um, outside of that, Financially, it did really well for itself. And I think that with what's going on in Paper Magic, Modern Horizons 2 is going to be a very important set next year for the financial aspects of the mm -hmm. paper game. So I think that learning this over the next few sets is one of the most important things you can do as vendor, backpacker, even a player. Yep. Absolutely. To just try to educate yourself on, okay, well, if this is how this is going to look this is where I want to go and how I want to spend my money on the mm -hmm. set. And, so. e and even as a large vendor now, this is the first supplemental set with a, with a CE side. So mm -hmm. now you know the next two are most likely going to have CE. So whatever numbers you're looking at for pre-orders, etc. on this set, you can now use these numbers to actually plug into your equations for how you need to budget for, the, for uh, Time Spiral 2 and then again for Modern Horizons. So yep. knowing what goes on with this set is very important for everybody in the, the finance sphere. Everybody. Overall, uh, I do like the set. Uh, it, it opens up some interesting design space. We've seen some uh, redundancy for combo pieces. We get Taunos, which adds to the Malira-style birthing pod combo. Uh, all you need is night soil to remove some creatures from your graveyard, whatever, and you just make a bunch of zombies, and you know, yep, you can basically birthing pod somebody out of the game. That's pretty dope. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to buy my boxes. Cascade, 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 cascade. That card's dumb. This whole <laughs> set design is dumb. Wizards needs to stop. Stop. It's all right. Look. I enjoy it just because they decided to copy and paste the first word on the card. Yeah. Uh, in they case did. anybody missed Good job, it, I'll, guys. I'll bring up yeah. this Apex Devastator, just the image, though. There's so many good little uh, little poems about this. I'll blow it up. Oh, can I blow it up? And then the, the turtle and the Nyx Lotus, yeah. which... In our Discord, we had the one-hour price summary of that card on Card Kingdom. That was amazing yep which you can get to by becoming a patron for as little as one dollar oh. a month and it's like roses are red i hate a braid cascade 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 <laughs> <laughs> people are doing that all weekend that that's stuff's good. pretty good yeah yeah 
Uh, this set's interesting. We get the Thrall theme, Hootie Hoo, so obviously Thrall Champion, which is the reserveless Thrall, goes up. We get Prosh and some other Kobold oddities, like the Zero CMC General, so all the Legends Kobolds that have more than just flavor text are going up, and, you know, they're not reserveless, and it's just kind of driving some interesting things. Um, three visits being reprinted is pretty sweet. Uh, Especially in foil. Yeah, so uh, a card from is it Portal 3K? Yeah. Right? Yeah, Portal 3K. Yep, P3. Yep, it is just a really good ram spell. You search for a forest card, put it on the battlefield and shuffle your library. It's better than Farseek because it doesn't come into play tapped, but it gets the non-forest half of a dual land. Like, they're, they're definitely pushing some stuff with the set. And I, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a banger overall, and uh, I'll probably buy two boxes, one to crack and one to sit on, and just shove that one next to my ma other master sets for drafting purposes. Mm -hmm. like, all the weird variants, the chisels, etc. Doesn't really don't that doesn't scare me. I'm just in regards to the hold. I think the value is on intrinsically what the set is, and it's like the first truly commander designed set. And I'll fight you on the fact that. A conspiracy was designed uh, for a commander or even cube yeah i'd say cube for sure yeah, yeah but there's like two good cube cards in it yeah like, that doesn't have to be good to be designed for cube it, it just every set's designed for limited and i haven't seen a good limited format in shit i don't fucking know while wow. <laughs> I, I can't even remember the last one i enjoyed actually maybe Time Spiral was the last one I really liked drafting. Oh, Time Spiral was great. Yeah. yeah. Was I love Shards because it was just bomby. Yeah. That uh, doesn't mean it was good. It was fun, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then I guess before we go out, we just have to mention Jeweled Lotus because we are people that play Magic the Gathering. And Jeweled Lotus is a card. It's a hell of a card. Yeah. And it, it's an interesting card. I think we have, you and I have different opinions on this card. Mine might be a little more tame than yours because I don't play CEDH. I mean, look, turn one Urza seems pretty good to me. That's what people Granted, are the deck isn't like tier one anymore because it lost Paradox Engine, but like, it's this card's. My biggest problem with the card is now everyone's saying the reserve list doesn't matter. They made this Lotus card. It's not the same, guys. It's not even remotely the same. No. Not even remotely the same. No, I think it's a good card. I think the, the CEDH quote that I heard that most aptly applies to this is it just increases your chances at winning the turn one lottery. Yeah. Where you just like, here's my board, and you just go yep. You know, You That's can play it. this in a deck with commanders that have anywhere from one to three colors and still cast them early. Turn two, you can cast your your three-color general as long as it costs five or less. It, it, yeah. It's a really good card. It's just... A lot of people are treating it like it's going to be the next fucking Mana Crypt and Mana Vault and Soul Ring. And, and it, it, it's not that good. It's I don't think it is. It doesn't have that you, you kind of ubiquity around it. I can point to a number of generals, a number of decks that I own that I play do that do not want this card and actually are fairly popular, just regular EDH generals. And the easiest one to point to is Slivers. Yeah. I, I can't think, fucking absolutely. cast a 5 CMC Sliver off of this thing. No. A Wooberg Sliver? Go after Absolutely yourself. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Like, I think it's good. I'll probably, like, 
Yes, it's there to sell boxes, obviously. If I opened one, I'm pretty sure I could find a deck for it. Absolutely. I don't think this is going to break any of the formats, but if there was ever a, a wedge big enough to drive the ban list for CEDH and EDH apart, it could be this card. That's fair, yeah. Because I, I know a lot of CEDH players bemoan the fact that they are beholden to the EDH ban list, and the format could be culled and fixed if separate ban lists were maintained. Whether or not that is the, uh, the correct opinion to have, I don't know, but I understand it, and I appreciate yeah. the, the thought behind that. Sheldon says no, so... Uh, I mean, he also straight shot the fact that they knew about this and there was there was going to be no bannings because they thought it was fine. Yeah. I mean, oh, we knew about this card. Sorry, guys. All right, great. Thanks for the tweet. I mean, I appreciate the fact that he just as flat out says, yes, we know. No, there's yeah. no problems. And like that, that kind of puts it to rest. Whether or not it'll actually become a problem, I don't know. I'm a person that believes Paradox Engine wasn't a problem. But, eh, Same. I, I also, I it, very unpopular opinion, Leovold was not a problem. Learn to run interaction, people. It's amazing. If you think Leovold is a problem, boy, do I have a story to tell you about this new 3CMC rogue with two toughness. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Great. Uh, good card, not a great gotcha. Mm -mm. Flat out. Somebody pointed out that you could, like, turn one, Swamp, Lotus, this thing, and uh, the Fairy Rogue from Lauren or whatever that says you skip every player. Your opponents skip their draw steps, and instead they search the library. So effectively, with this new Rogue, uh, whenever somebody searches their library, you control the search. Yeah. So with both of those in play, you effectively lock the table out of their draw steps. But in reality, that's either one of those cards dies to Lightning Bolt, Path to Exile, Swords to Plowshares, uh, Fatal Push, if you have something to sack that isn't effectual. Like, these are not these are cards that people are super hype about. Lotus and this Rogue, and they look awesome. They absolutely do. I just don't think they're going to run the format. And they're, yep. just, they're not ban-worthy immediately. Yeah. Look at Tiny Bones. Tiny Bones is a good card. People thought that was going to wreck the format. And sure, it could be card availability that forced the price up. Well, my card availability did force the price up, along sure. with assumed, yeah. uh, assumed demand. But it's just not a great setup overall. So it yeah. is either the card is bad enough that nobody's playing it and sub submitting the decks to EDH rec, or people can't get their hands on it, thus they can't build it and submit it to EDH rec. And I believe it's the former, not the latter. Same. So here we are. Ready for picks? Let's do it. All right. Did I go first last time, or did you go first? I believe you did, so I'll take it away. Okay. Speaking of Commander Masters and rampant foiling practices and everything else, going to pick a little pet card of mine for a pet format of mine, and that is going to be another a card from another set we mentioned, Conspiracy. Uh -huh. The Conspiracy foil version of Thorn of the Black Rose. This is one of the best ways in pauper to get monarch mm. it is a card which i expect to tank quite a bit once commander legends comes out and we get the market flooded with the foil variation of that card and the vip packs the normal packs everything else so pauper is an easy format to pimp out 
Mm-hmm. The Mardu decks are doing very well. The mono black decks are doing very well. Card's going to be cheap and should be about a five to ten dollar foil when all is said and done. Hmm. So I would expect in the short term, get in at about two to three bucks. I don't think there's any way you lose money. I think the last time I saw this card, which granted was a lifetime ago at a Grand Prix when those existed, who remembers those? And the foils at the time were quite a bit. You could find Japanese foils for around 30-ish at the time, and of course we've had a mystery booster printing since then. Different border, different art. Right now we're still sitting at around a $5, or 3 to $5 foil. Mm-hmm. I think that gets down to about 2 to 3 once release hits, if not lower, and then recovers back up to the 5 to $10 mark, depending. So I just think at this point your buy-in is realistically about a month and a half to two months from now, so like late December, early January. And I think the recovery market you're looking for is honestly a little bit longer term. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at about a nine to 10 month window. So sometime late summer, early fall next year when you start to see this price start to tick back up. And I think that that could be accelerated if somehow we ever return to paper magic. Because I think that at least here and with some of the LGSs I talked to throughout the Midwest, Popper was one of their most popular formats mm-hmm. right before pandemic hit. They yep. were constantly firing it, and some of them still are. And um, so. the constructed extravaganzas or whatever, they, the Turbo Towns, that's what they are. Yeah. At, uh, at Magic Fests, Popper was one of the events you could do there. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. Now, do you see this going back into uh, mono-black control or into something else? I think it goes back into mono-black control. And I think that what we'll see, because based on set releases next year, we have Time Spiral 2, we have Modern Horizons, obviously we have Commander Legends here, and I think they'll find a way to squeeze a third supplemental in next year. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the great thing about the format is it shakes up every three months because you get a supplemental set that just completely reworks the metagame. Yep. And I think that this is one of those cards similar to Palace Guard, I believe it is, is the white one. It's not Palace Jailer. Palace Jailer is the uncommon. Uh, uh, is be... it Palace Guard? I'm checking. No, it can't. No, it's not. No. Uh, whatever it is. Anyways. I was trying to think of the pa- one from Palace Boros. Sentinels. Maybe? Yes, Palace Sentinels, that's the one. That along with that is one of the best sources of card advantage in the format. And card advantage is especially good in a format like Popper. So I just think that Thorn of the Black Rose, foils especially because the format's easy to pimp out, so let's do it, will hold a good long-term value. That's why I'm picking it. That's it. That's all I got. No, uh, I like it. it. I didn't know what this was going in, so I wanted to kind of leave that uh, to yeah, yeah, be yeah, a surprise. Because sure. I don't really follow Popper, and I know uh, there's been, like, uh, Demir Delver. We've had Mono Black Control. We haven't had a Suicide Black, because you don't have the rares to support it, or really many good, uh, like, just aggressive creatures to, along the lines of Carnifage. And... Um, fairies yeah so i didn't know where this goes and the fairies deck just has like fairy miscreant and spell stutter sprite and then a bunch of other non-fairy creatures so i was curious but 
It's an interesting call out. Pauper's the, the it's on the periphery always and uh, floating through our SOI on Twitter. Every now and then we'll see something about uh, about Pauper and what's going on. It just seems to kind of fallen off on Moto. Not yeah. to say that people don't play it, but it's as if people are favoring other formats right now. So it's it's nice to see a renewed interest in the format on our end at least. What you got? I am going with a commander card. Of course. So, uh, I'm, I'm going with uh, Thunder, Thunderfoot Baloth. There it is. Uh, from Commander... Thunder Pol Fury, Blessed Blade of the Windseeker? Yeah, this one doesn't leave a, a debuff on you, though. You've got to have Lieutenant instead. Okay. So it still deals nature damage. But the, the reason I, I like this card is basically because it's another Crater Huff effect, which I've talked about before when yeah. I picked and raised four runners. Uh, Lieutenant isn't that hard to to get on your turn before combat, and with Lieutenant, you give all your creatures plus two, plus two, and trample. Full stop. So it's not a, a one-and-done effect. It is a, a yeah. constant a con a constant thing. The The card itself was flat for a very long time. I'll bring the stocks graph again. And you can see that for well over a year, it's basically been flat and... It's ever so slightly starting to recover now, compared to what have we what have we been seeing before, where there's a lot of peaks and valleys, but flat and finally coming up. And I believe that's because there's a little bit of trepidation surrounding buying in with Commander Masters on the horizon and not knowing what keywords, if any, were going to be reprinted. So the yeah. Lieutenant keyword is unique to that year's Commander set. We haven't seen it since. I don't think we're going to get it, so now is when I expect this card to move. So yeah. the overall, I like Thunderhoof Baloth as a card for EDH because it just promotes the same style of play that I, I mentioned before. You can just go wide enough. You don't have to go too wide. Give everything trample and just swing in for the win. So when you're looking at Rex, you just see like everything from mono green to Jund to four color. It's, it's all here. And people play this in everything and generally speaking it always involves going a little bit wide with tokens and just coming over the top of this card so uh, where this fits is basically going to be with more aggressive style commanders and what makes it unique though is that if you dig in you start to see a paired alongside decks that actually run Gisela so you're dealing double damage, so you really only need that one combat step. Like, that Nea slant to some of these decks is what makes it a little more unique compared to Crater Huff. It costs six compared to Crater Huff's, Crater Huff's is it eight? And yeah, so, but it's only two green. Yes, instead of three. So it's not that bad, and it oftentimes finds itself alongside Pathbreaker Ibex, which is another card in the same space. Pathbreaker Ibex gives Trample during combat and costs the same, I believe, in terms of... C yeah, it's another... Uh, four CMC card, and whenever it attacks creatures you control, gain trample and plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the greatest power among attacking creatures. So it just benefits you for the largest, right? Yeah. These two cards play well in concert. This doesn't play well with Creator Huff unless you're playing Elves. So it makes the builds for this stuff a little easier on the wallet, and it makes it a little more approachable. It is one of the cheapest ways to do this besides End Race Forerunners. Right yeah. now on stocks, it is 260 uh, on TCG player, sorry. 
Pathbreaker Ibex is in the teens right now. It's almost $16. Crater Hoof is nigh infinite. And Race Forerunners is $0.50. Cents. And Original Nylia is $6. This is legitimately one of the cheapest ways to achieve this effect and one of the easiest ways to cast a, a card like this that does this. I think it's tied with Pathbreaker Ibex as being the cheapest CMC-wise. And as such, it, it is low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Everywhere you see one of these other cards, this one is usually tucked away somewhere. Like I said, aside from Crater Hoof. That one's unique in what it does. Uh, and I, oops, go oh, Go ahead. I was going to say, I also I like the playability in Commander because this, much like Crater Hoof, fits into your combo-y type decks with Tooth and Nail and your more casual decks. Although I think this fits into the casual a little bit easier than Crater Hook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Specifically because of how affordable the casting cost is, how accessible it was because of Commander product. Not that that had a you know larger print run than Avacyn Restored or any of the reprints, but the fact that it was clearly designed for that format. Mm -hmm. So when people saw the card, they immediately went that route with it. Yes. So I think that this has a lot more accessibility in that regard as well, because you're pretty much just dealing with the commander crowd. You don't have to deal with anything else. Yeah, exactly. And it just becomes, it's not even a niche card. It tells you exactly what it wants to do. And all you have to do is to pick the flavor of how you want to do this. And you yeah. don't have to worry about people bemoaning the fact that you just played Crater of Behemoth and now the game, game is over. There's still a little bit of play to this card. Same thing with Pathbreaker Ibex. If you stop Pathbreaker before a combat, that card is dead. It really yeah. is just uh, Crater Huff and Race Forerunners, and there's one other that I can't think of off the top of my head that basically when you cast it, if it resolves, that's it. It's Trample, pluses, and you're done. Nihilia yeah. is the only other one that is just this kind of low-level, less impactful version of this effect, whereby Nihilia only grants Trample and nothing more. But Nihilia is very sticky. And it's the original yeah. Nylia, God of the Hunt, not the new one. Yeah. So overall, it just kind of plays well in the format and can be competitive, it can be casual because it's an easier to deal with threat. The The timeline on this is kind of interesting. As I was writing this, we were still getting spoilers. So I was worried about the possibility of the Lieutenant reprint. Now, this card was printed in 2014. It saw a reprint in 2016 and it was part of the Commander Anthology set. If we got a lieutenant reprint, meaning you know we were going to bring back the keyword, there's a very real chance this came back, and this would tank our ability to really pick up this card and expect to see any kind of gains within the next calendar year. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty settled on the fact that we're not going to get lieutenant, so it's I expect this to start to slowly climb. This is our window to buy in through the holidays, and I think we're going to come out in 2021 probably end of q1 beginning of q2 we'll really start to see that that upward climb and this will probably broach closer to four dollars then and you can start looking to to move uh, your product at that point in time overall the buy list has shifted over the last couple of months it has been steadily climbing not much card kingdom is still buying them uh, 20 cents more now than they were last week which kind of seems to be the trend with commander cards yeah like, quantity they're buying might go down but their overall buy list number goes up, so the demand is still real on this. It's not super real, you know. It's not flying yeah. off the shelves. But like I said, end of Q1, beginning of two Q, sorry Q2 gives us about six months on this card, and I think that's really where we'll start to see this uh, take a turn for the positive and start climbing. 
Yeah, and I think it's definitely it, and it may, who knows, it may even be shorter mm-hmm. is the other thing, just because of how commander cards have been exploding over the last few months. Yeah. I, I like it for a good midterm hold. Like you said, the Q1, Q2 window is pretty good, um, especially if, you know, things open up back then, because a lot of this stuff, as much as EDH has been exploding now, when people can't necessarily play at their LGS, I pretty much think all EDH is a good pickup because once you can play it in LGS, it's going to explode. Yeah. And if you're, you know, the backpacker that has all of those cool staples, uh, you get to just hoover up everything you need. Yep. So. I also think a lot of the cards that we've been looking at on the podcast recently for Commander, now that we're in this kind of, okay, you can only play digitally or remotely like some of these people are doing, are always just one good Commander video away from blowing up. There's a lot of things that just teeter, and yeah. it can either be natural demand that pushes it over the edge because people are just, we get something that's themed, you know, okay, where there's a lot of small creatures, how do I make a lot of small creatures good? Okay, well, I need to give them trample somehow. I got to pump them up and give them trample. What? How do I do that, right? And so yeah. there's just that um, hive mind approach where the hive just goes out and they, the hive finds it on their own, they buy in, and now everybody else moves in, or... It is demand generated through a piece of content. And I think a lot of what we've been seeing recently with Commander, a lot of these quick spikes are from that. You can track a lot of it. And a lot of these cards are just waiting to pop from a piece of content. Yeah. So, and I think that might be where this card is. I think one, one good video where this card just aces somebody doesn't have to ace the table it could just ace one player out of nowhere and then this card's gone yeah solid so i approve thank you Uh, but i think we are going to call it there for the week everybody we will be back next week we've got some uh, interesting topics floating around yeah i think uh i think you guys will really like next week's topic that we're brainstorming about so but i'm biased because you know i'm on the podcast podcast. so yeah (laughs) you have the platform and the microphone yeah yeah but uh for mtg cabalcast where which we can be found on twitter facebook spotify stitcher youtube i am at halt i am reptar on twitter and you are at thirsty sizzler and we'll see you guys next week